Welcome to the Across the Spoilerverse podcast. I'm your host, Bond, James Bond, joined by my man, Greg Alba, as per usual. How's it going, Greg? We need some positivity to start the podcast with. Oh, it's going great, Paul. Mm. Uh, Bond. Paul. Paul. You said you were James Bond. Bond? I was James half Bond. listening to you and your, your intro. I was getting distracted yeah. by something on my computer. Uh, but no, it's going good. It's going to be a good month. It's movies not. will rebound. Movies <sighs> will rebound. Don't worry, Paul, because we got some topics to talk about today. On the agenda, ladies and gentlemen, if you were watching this on YouTube, please leave a like on this video. Uh, but you could also catch us, of course, on uh, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts listened. Um, Sp- Superman, Sp- I'm learning to speak today. Superman legacy casting we got to talk about. Indiana Jones bombing as expected. And then um, some movies that are coming out this month where it looks like they're projecting well and some are looking to be future bombs as well. And, of course, yet again, another Jonathan Majors update. But, Paul, I think we should start off. I I have not I haven't even really shared my opinion about the Superman legacy casting because it's really short. I haven't heard Europe. We haven't even talked in private (laughs) about the Superman legacy casting. You just you just message me going. You're going to do it? I'm like, yeah, I'm putting Koi on it. <laughs> but I, I actually haven't even gotten your I've, I've gotten your opinion about the way the movement went to getting Superman in here and all that. Um, and of course, how it didn't seem like the smart move to fire Henry Cavill and yada, yada, yada. But what do you think about David is Corrin Sweat? What a fascinating name. David Corrin Sweat as Clark Kent Superman and Rachel Brosahan as Lois Lane. I'm happy I will say that I'm quite happy, you know, when it got announced. The DC fandom, yeah, we're always very divided. You go on any anywhere talking about a DC movie, someone's going to argue with you. Um, and it just felt for that moment when the casting was announced that, you know, a lot of people came together, put the differences to the side and thought, I'm hopeful about the future. You know, when we made this podcast, Greg, what we wanted to do was make something positive for people to listen to feel like they're just hanging out with us listening to our opinions it's not too deep it's not too serious we're not we're not gonna go crazy and go on big rants about how much we hate everything and how everything's been ruined but the last couple of weeks yeah we've just seemed to have hit a point where the topics every single week are very negative results and unfortunately it's probably going to be that for the rest of this episode as well but seeing this it was like finally something nice and hopeful for the future that we can get excited for and i i, I think the casting's great um i haven't really seen david Curran sweating much i saw him in hollywood when it was on i think it was called hollywood on netflix where it was set in the early days of hollywood and it was about um the oscars and stuff like that and he it was like try he was basically an actor trying to make his way in the tinsel town and he worked at some garage and then just worked his way into movies. And that that was basically it. it. had lots of different characters in, but he was really good in it. Um haven't seen Pearl or X, unfortunately, but I've heard he's he's quite good in those. He's in one of them at least. Um but yeah. Excited to see it. You know, he, he looks the part. I know people are saying that he's kind of Henry Cavill Jr. Um and they're saying he's not in shape, he's not muscly. But Henry Cavill wasn't, to be fair. And yeah, I'm just, you know, give the guy a chance, please, guys. I know I was as annoyed as anyone over the whole Henry Cavill thing. I was ringing Greg about three in the morning going, I'm going to kill someone. Like, Shut up, yeah, just just give the guy a chance. So, yeah, what did you think, Greg? I, um, 
I'm just kind of like, yeah, this sounds fine to me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not over the moon about it, nor am I oh. negative about it. You know what I mean? Like it, it's the right kind of casting. He he generally ha- like his face looks the part. We know actors can bulk up when they're paid a lot of money, except for the guy who plays Namor. Anyone else has the capability of buffing up to play a character, especially like Superman. And they, they know they just have to. Um, and I like the idea that we're following the tradition of a generally unknown gentleman, because that is the best way I think to just see Superman and, yeah. you know, yeah. be able to see ourselves within Superman to some extent, you know, James Gunn's been testing. I mean, I don't know how many people he's been testing, but He's taking this role more serious than anything else. Like he knows the there's a lot, a lot of pressure on this movie, and he has to get it right. So I, I, tr- if there's one thing with James Gunn, he rarely goes wrong with casting. Like I can't really think of a role where like, man, that was totally miscast in, in a movie of his. Uh, and he usually has such a big ensemble and he still manages to like hit the nail on the head every single time. So I imagine that there's something special about this guy. I mean, a lot of times when it comes to casting for these legacy characters, the first thing we look at is what do they look like? We, we care so much more about their physical appearance right up front. He looks fine for that. Uh, at the same time, I'm excited to see what he does. A lot of people, I don't know any of these actors, honestly, like Rachel Brosnan. I don't know what she's done, but. Miss Maisel. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that. It's too non American for my brain, Paul. Uh, but I what hear do you she's mean good. it is American? Is it? Which one's that yeah. show? I thought that was the British show. <laughs> you know, it's the Amazon show about the Who else is comedian. in that show, Paul? Her, and that's it. And they, the guy from Men in Black who gets his. Head blown off, and then it grows back. You know, in the Tony Shalhoub. I think, I think that's the dad. Um, sometimes I, mean, I watch him. Phoebe well, Waller. What's the Phoebe Waller Bridge show? Fleabag. She's oh, not okay, in Fleabag. yeah. No, I She's always not Phoebe thought, Waller Bridge. Yeah, I always thought that. Um, <laughs> that was <laughs> this face. <laughs> okay, I've yeah. gotten my shows way what? confused. Either way, yeah. I don't. If I'm not reacting to it, I'm watching Vanderpump Rules. So. You know, I I don't I don't watch television. That so for the yeah, ninth I mean, time that day, I didn't like <laughs> your comments about the guy who played ne- Namor. Namor, I thought he would look. Uh, I'm going to look in the mirror now and think, oh, I'm I'm a bit out of shape. I look worse than him. But um, I thought he's he been fine, but now. everyone seemed to bitch about it for some reason. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I guess I sound like I, I'm I, supporting him, and he's been cancelled. Bloody hell, we're stuck off to a bad stop. A side note: I was in a. Th- it was for the Flash at a screening for the Flash. And I heard a bunch of it was it was a bunch of uh, people who work in animation and comics who were in the row behind. I won't say any any names, but they were bitching so loudly, randomly about Namor and wow. how he didn't buff up for the role. And these are like because they were talking about this guy's weight. I'm just gonna say like they were like super fat dudes. <laughs> just like complaining their asses up about Namor is so funny to me. Um, but they were very, they were vehemently serious about it. And uh, that's what was in my noggin right now. Um, but that but yeah. is the standard at the moment, to be fair. You do have yeah. to kind of bulk up as much as possible. And I think the guy can do it. He looks like the kind of guy who could get in good shape. 
don't quote me on that, but he's he's starting off from a good point. You know, he's he's probably in quite good shape already. Hugh Jackman in the first X Men movie, yeah, do you remember? He yeah. was in he was in pretty good shape, but then pff, guy takes it the next level. Come come some of the movies, um, but obviously the, these two actors as well, the things they've starred in are period pieces, which I think is quite an interesting choice because hmm. I I kind of feel like. James James Gunn, my man James Gunn, he, he is sort of leaning in and maybe hinting to us that he's going with that sort of sentimental Superman, if that makes sense. Like the, the old school type of golden age Superman where it's very, he's basically Captain America but with superpowers, you know what I mean? His yeah. attitude, sort of classic American, um, farm boy. And, you know, to have these two actors who are, are from these period pieces, not... I mean, I think that both of them are set in the 1950s. Haven't watched Ms. Maisel. Um, I walked in on my wife watching it a couple of times, and I was like, what the hell is this? Get this off. I want to watch Vanderpump or whatever the hell it was he said before. <laughs> crap crap joke. But, um, yeah, so so it is quite interesting that he's went with these two. Now, there are rumours that Lex Luthor, they're kind of right. going back and forth between the Skarsgård brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the younger one, which his name's just disappeared Bill. out of my head bill scars god yeah and, and you, alexander alexander <laughs> yeah yeah so that's quite interesting that they, they're like we need a scars god which one get them all in get audition yeah. them all i, I think really cool. alex what, what, i would go with the hemsworth situation too that was didn't that happen with the hemsworth brothers when it came to thor all right yeah i don't know but um liam hemsworth not liam hemsworth was it luke hemsworth played thor in thor ragnarok for the play yeah yeah maybe something like that but yeah that's so yeah they've got the 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 two guys in apparently um Hmm. i quite like alexander skarsgård he was in my favorite film of the year so far infinity pool really enjoyed that i think the guy can do it he's sort of older i feel like lex luther needs to be older you know i think he needs to be more sort of a more scheming and manipulative character who's sort of the ceo of something whereas you know, people like the Jesse... Well, some people like the Jesse Eisenberg take. Um, I personally didn't vibe with it that much. I prefer, like, a more mature Lex Luthor. Um, so, yeah, that was that's kind of what I'm looking for, and I can see that more in Alex than I can see it in Bill. But Bill, yeah, obviously, he's played one. a bold clown before. But Bill was also in John Wick Continental, which in some ways... Not Continental, John Wick Chapter 4, uh, which in some ways is... Other than the accent, you know... You can hearken that to a Lex Luthor-ish type uh, in mm. in that movie. He's in a suit and he's fancy and he's rich and he's evil. So you know that's how you do. Are, are you trying to do it? Right now? How you do everything is how you do. How you do anything is how you do everything. Says that, and it sounds really bad when he it's says. It's not like you film. have a condition. It's not. That's what. Not that's how he's translating. <laughs> As a French accent. No, that's what it sounds. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so yeah, he, he. I think you know either either one of them is going to be good. I think. Yeah. To be honest both with you, great actors. Both of them are. Even Stellan Skarsgård can pull it off if he wanted to. But yeah, I think I'm I'm with you. I would personally prefer, you know, because Bill Skarsgård's like always playing bad guys, and even though Alexander Alexander Skarsgård's played his fair share role of bad guys, uh, I I think it would be cool to get a Lex who does you know have more of that you know, charismatic charm to him and that physical build. It'd be cool to get a Lex who actually looks physically capable as well, especially to one day, you know, be 
wearing that big green suit or whatever that he's got going on. But yeah, Superman Legacy looking good. We're talking about actors getting in shape. You know who looks good for his age, still with his body. You see him shirtless at one point. Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. Mm. Yet, yet, his that that Marvel body shot that he has in there it wasn't enough to draw in the audiences. This movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, you just did a whole video on it. I have not listened to your video or watched it, so I don't really know what you said, but I imagine some of those points will be reiterated here. Uh, it is open to what, just $60 million? Yeah, US? 130 million worldwide. Um, obviously a, a massive like disappointment. A, it's like th almost 300 million, the budget, right? Well, that's what Disney have said the budget is, but there's actually people who've gone and worked things out uh, and they think due to the... Well, most of it was filmed in Europe and England, so they've worked out like the exchange rates and mm. they roughly say about $339 million. Um, So it's a lot of money. I feel sad seeing this happen, you know. We have been kind of predicting this would happen if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. We, we did put this as being a box office bomb, but... Seeing it happen, it just sucks because I know for a fact it won't be the people up top who get affected by this. It'll always be the people lower down. Like if you've ever worked in a job where, you know, profits have started dwindling, they don't get rid of the manager. They get rid of like the, the minimum wage workers or the people who they don't really value in the company. And that'll be who gets affected. Now, Kathleen Kennedy's contract runs out 2024 I feel like they're going to just keep her on and just slowly shuffle her out the door, not really give her any new projects to start on. I'm not sure what's going to happen with her Star Wars movie, but, you know, we're not Kathleen Kennedy haters, even though I brought that up as a point today. I was saying, look, there's a lot of people against Kathleen Kennedy and it doesn't always help with the box office. And I had so many comments saying, you bloody incel, you, you hate women and you call Kathleen Kennedy out. And I'm like, N I don't, but... I'm just saying it's a factor to some people, and it is. If you go on YouTube anywhere, there will probably be a video about her ruining everything. Um, so, you know, that even if that's a small amount, it's still going to chip away from the box office. And basically what my whole point of the video was, it's not one factor that has led to this underperforming. There's mm -hmm. a lot of different things going on here. Um, firstly is the fact they overspent on it. If they'd done it for $150 million, it would be at a point now where it had nearly made its money back. Greenlighting a $300 million movie on Indiana Jones is absolutely insane. I don't. So, so what they've done there is they've overspent and underdelivered. Um, and I, there's so many different reasons. I mean, we can sit here and, and bash the movie all day. It was fine. You know, there's a lot of people who say it's one of the worst things they've ever seen. And I, I thought it was okay, but there's a lot of things that. You, you know you, you're not going into it thinking oh i'm gonna spread so much word of mouth about how good this movie is it's not across the spider-verse where you come out it's not top gun maverick you know what i mean where where you, you feel good at the end of it and i think there's just so many different issues with this film um it wasn't marketed that well with the the whole thing at Cannes, and that created a bad buzz around its official release because the early reviews were very bad and then you've got things like the 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 general like the the economy right now. We're in a cost of living crisis. Film tickets are very very expensive now. If you want to take a whole family out, it costs a lot. 
And I think that audiences in general are kind of just... I said in the video, basically, they have this mind state of fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. And, you know, audiences, they've seen this happen with Lucasfilm over and over again, where they get excited about a movie, they're bringing old characters back, and the way they handle them isn't the best. And, you know, if you if you watch this movie, they take away from Indy more than they give to him. It's very sort of depressing, you know, we will be spoiling it, yeah, just heads up. Uh, so if you don't want to know any spoilers, then leave. But five, four, three, two, one. So we find out in the movie that his son died going off to Vietnam. You know, that's horrendous. He's retiring. He's divorced. It's just kind of depressing. And you feel like, why have we went back to this character to tell this downtrodden story about, like, how, how sad he is? And even things like Antonio Banderas being killed. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is all like, yeah, we made it out. We escaped. I'm, we, we did it. And he's just like, my friend just died. And there's just constantly moments like that where it's really sad. You know, there's people getting killed that he works with for no reason. Um, and even the ending of it just feels kind of like it, it's not something you'd go home and, and tell your friends about. Like, you must see this. Like If you think about it, Top Gun Maverick, yeah, the, the crash, the jet, Tom Cruise and whatever. Tom Cruise and Rooster, they crash the jet. They then got to make it out The they're flying off, they're, they're fighting against these fifth-generation jets, everything's going down, how are they going to get out of here? They hit a point where it's like, oh my god, there's a one more fifth-generation jet and we've got no weapons left. Oh no, we're gonna we're going out. And then the, the fifth-generation jet, what does it do? It drops a missile. But then boom! Mm-hmm. Hangman comes in, he saves the day. It's like, you've got a big cheer moment. I thought, yeah, that the final act of this movie, especially when we're going into it and it's back in time, I thought this is going to be like the final stand of Indiana Jones. It's going to be the last hurrah, the final big send-off. He's going to really show people that he's still got it. He can keep with it. You know, he might be old, but he's not obsolete. The stuff's about to go down, and we're going to see some classic scenes in the past with Indiana Jones. And what they do instead is they have them basically parachute down. He gives a very sad speech. And he gets punched and knocked out and then they cut to black. And it's just kind of like, how do you go home and rant and rave about that final act in the way that you would something like Top Gun Maverick where you just, like even talking about Top Gun Maverick now, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about Hangman coming in to save the day, that final escape. Goose and, and, and goosebumps. Goose goose. Yeah. Get oh it. goose. Get Rest it. in peace. I had to I had to interrupt your flow to point That's out okay. the goose. Please continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, it's just kind of like, how do you go home and feel good about that? Even like Harrison Ford's done it in the past. You know, Luke's heading towards the Death Star Trench. It's all about to go down. Oh no, Darth Vader shows up. He's got him in his sight. He's going to kill him. Boom. Millennium Falcon comes in, saves the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't really have that moment in the finale. And for some reason, they just cut cut to black. And they don't even give you like what, they, what have be, would have been the most obvious thing, which is... She just talks Indy out of, uh, of like, wanting to stay in the past. And she says, look, Marion's waiting for you back home. Come on, please come with us. You can. This has shown you that everyone gets a second chance. And, you know, they climb back on the plane. They're flying out. Are they going to make it out the tear in time? Oh, it's closing. It's closing. Whew. They just make it through just in time. And you get like, oh, yeah, he's back. He's He's went through all that. He's got his mind state fixed. He wants to be back with Marion. They've just had an amazing escape from the past. 
but instead he wakes up, kind of sits about his room, and then Marion comes in like, you didn't have anything in the fridge. Uh, and it just feels very, like, downtrodden and for, a, for a final Indiana Jones film, you know what I mean? For, uh, for Especially for us how good that, like, some of the final acts of Indiana Jones films have been. It just kind of... It doesn't feel like the, the sort of film that you want to go home and talk to people about how, how good it made you feel and why it was so so worth coming back. I was thinking today, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go next. Don't worry about it. But we, we've we've got <laughs> enough films now to make a final Indiana Jones trilogy, um, because we've got three final Indiana Jones films now, which is the Last Crusade, <laughs> the Crystal Skull, oh, yeah, and now the Dial of Destiny. That's so you've got true. three final Indiana Jones films. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. There are three endings. Huh. Mm. I agree you with you. Out the park. I agree yeah. with you because when I, one thing I was loving about that, and I brought it up I think in um, one of our episodes, it was loving how the beginning, I love the beginning of this movie a lot. Um, yeah. Specifically the Moon Day stuff. I was cool with cranky old jaded indie. It felt real. Where it seemed like the movie was going was that, you know, especially when he's talking with Sala, and Sala's like, I miss the days of sand and all that, that it was going to pull something out of Indy where he finds that adventurous spirit again and that excitement. I th- It really seemed like that's where we were going <laughs> from this downtrodden, sulking kind of human being to someone who finds that, you know, that captivating, rousing adventure within him once more. And he never finds it, which I think is what undermines a lot of the excitement behind the action scenes, besides the fact that they're loud and shit and, and wild, that they're actually not exciting because there's there's no that there's that that swashbuckling spirit is not there, despite the fact yeah. that there's physical things happening. And uh, I brought it up a couple videos ago how there was a moment that was so serious but half our audience started laughing really loud and it is in that moment on the island when indiana jones is like just let me stay here i just want to die here people just started cracking up because and you think of if you i don't really know it's just kind of silly i mean i i wasn't laughing but it is kind of silly because you think about it, he just starts off super sad and it just ends super sad. So he doesn't really learn anything. You know, I, yes, he does have the moment with Miriam where it's like ultimately he needs to be with his wife. And the movie doesn't quite strike this Logan tone where we're going for the realistic humanity because this it's a super unrealistic thing with this 80-year-old guy, 7-year-old, however, Indiana is in the movie itself going through this uh, adventure. And so they, they, they're trying to hit this like poignant note at the end where, yeah, he just wants to be with Marion in the end. And then it's a, yeah, we can move on. We can grieve together now or whatever. I don't really know exactly where the movie's going by the end of it, but no, it doesn't end off on the note. I think Top Gun Maverick is the most, um, apt thing to compare it to because what, what I think this movie far failed at despite even for the people who like this movie even even for the people who really like this film i feel like that a lot of the ones who are coming out were like no it's still a fun movie it's you know whatever like there's the positive rhetoric that surrounds it is that ultimately 
Yes, there is something cool and special just about seeing Indiana Jones back. But the movie he's in is not all that special. Even if you like it, it's not really a special film, considerably. And that's the thing that movies really need to be now in order to succeed. Like Top Gun Maverick is a great example of of a legacy sequel coming out decades later. And for the most part, it's a very similar structure to the original Top Gun. However, they made a movie that the way they decided to execute it, and you can just see it in the trailers, they did something very special with this film that warrants it being seen. Whereas a lot of the marketing for this film, they don't even lean in on what some of the more unique elements are for this movie, which is the setup for Indiana Jones. Like you can't really show that in the trailer, which by the way, someone did point out to me that it's Indiana Jones's story here. The setup for him is very similar to Han Solo and force awakens. And I I never drew that parallel, but I'm like, Oh yeah, that is very true. Um, But they, they never really showed that side of what would make this one special and unique uh, for the few things that did make it unique. Cause it, for the most part, it was just trying to, it was trying to do something. It was trying to capture what made the old one special instead of being just uniquely special, if that makes sense. So that's what I was really missing for this movie. And I feel like that overall does kind of translate there. There could be something to the fact too. Cause like, even though, Tom Cruise is 60 years old. Such a big selling point is we know it's Tom Cruise always doing the shit that we see Tom Cruise doing. Whereas here, some people might not want to be, be a little hesitant towards seeing Harrison Ford, who we know is extremely old, you know, doing the action adventure role and putting on that. Like I'm, I'm down with seeing him. And I think he, I think, I feel like he actually gives a great performance here, but I can understand. There's a lot of, like you said earlier, there's a lot of, mixed things to what has led to this movie bombing ultimately. And and I feel like at the end of the day, if there's one thing I got to narrow it down to is that there's nothing really that makes this a special Indiana Jones movie. It could be a fun, good, decent installment, but not really that strong rousing highlight. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, he, he even says in the trailer, like I waited my whole life for this. And you, when you watch the movie, you're like, what are you talking about? I waited my whole was, life to clear my name so I could get back to my apartment is what I'm talking about. Yeah. How did he, get, how did he clear, get his name cleared of murder so quickly? Look, I actually, I did like the movie, I will say, when I was watching it. And it was when I got home, I started thinking on it more. I was like, oh, well, I, I'll, it basically, the whole movie structure summed up my thoughts of the entire franchise. Starts off really, really good, amazing. And then as it goes on, you know, you start getting these later part where everything sort of falls apart um but i think a thing you touched upon there with the whole tom cruise thing you know tom cruise still has quite a young following and a young audience Mm -hmm. the demographics behind what the like who went to watch this film the below 25 audience is almost completely non-existent and they didn't do enough to sell it to to like the young audience which is ultimately you know where you get a lot of your money. Um, and Harrison Ford, like, we we love him. We'll never say a bad word about the guy. Um, but normally in these situations, like in, in Top Gun, when you have a, a, you know, a more sort of 
an actor with a bit more history, you tend to cast younger actors alongside him. So like Miles Teller or, you know, people who have a younger following to really get them on board. Now, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she doesn't really have that massive young following. You know what I mean? Like even Shang-Chi, like, oh, just get Aquafina in. I know Shang- I don't know why I said Shang-Chi was a, <laughs> an old guy, but you know what I mean? When when they're casting these side side characters, they often get people in who have the side characters are basically there to, to help bring an audience in and they're, they're kind of normally the comic relief and stuff and sure Fleabag I, I actually enjoy it I'll probably get slated but I, I enjoy it um, in England she's got quite a big following but uh, in the US I don't I don't feel like you know I'm not expecting Americans to go out and watch stuff with Phoebe Waller-Bridge and if they're under 25 um, so I think that impacted it obviously I touched upon before the whole you know, the price of cinema tickets. And I think Hollywood have kind of killed one of their big um, earners through through streaming and basically pushing things out in this 45-day window. Now, me and you, we're, we're older gentlemen. You remember back in the day, yeah, if a movie did badly in the cinema, what films would do is, if it got good word of mouth on VHS or DVD, they'd be able to recoup some of that money back. And you, there was so many films like The Thing um, where the, the movies bombed in the cinema, but then once VHS came out, lots it got lots of people picking that up and the movie would recoup money. Now, the the physical media markets, all, I'm, I'm considered a dinosaur because I still buy Blu-rays and stuff, but a lot of people don't bother with that and instead they'll just say, well... It's it's going on Disney Plus very soon. I'll just wait for that. I'm not going to spend, you know, a hundred dollars taking my family out to what could potentially just be a disappointing movie because I've seen the reviews from the Cannes Film Festival where they all said it was rubbish. So I'm not going to take that risk with my kids, and I'll just wait until it comes out. You know, times are tight for people. They fair enough. They don't want to like spend that amount of money on two and a half hours and watching Indiana Jones when when there is potential it could be bad. And unfortunately, I've I've seen a lot of films recently where in the second weekend of them being out, they'll announce when they're coming out on streaming and it'll be like three weeks time. So, for example, um, Creed and Evil Dead were both films that I wanted to go see. Missed the first weekend, was going to go the second weekend. And I remember going on Twitter for both of these and it said the this film will be released digitally in three weeks time. And I was like, well... You know, I could rush out and go to the cinema to see them, but I could just watch it at home in three weeks' time. And that completely killed my hype. And I think that studios have they've, they've destroyed the physical media market and they've went all in on streaming almost to the point where they think it's going to be the future. But it's kind of killing the box office returns because people will, if they're unsure on something, they'll just wait, which is understandable because of how expensive it is. Um, and... If I if we weren't doing this for a job, I probably would have just waited till this came out on Disney Plus. To be honest, mm. um, I, I don't see the necessity to go and see it. And seeing those early reviews come out saying it was pretty meh or bad, um, it just wouldn't have sold it on me. And you know, we've been burned by Disney before quite recently with with all their times that they've made bad movies with legacy characters. Um, and I just think, yeah, it's kind of it's more than one thing here that's causing these issues. It's an entire industry that's made fault after fault after fault and built themselves in a way where 
spending $300 million on a movie is not, a, it doesn't make sense uh, at all. You you were never going to break even on this. Um, it, and if you were, it was going to take a long, long time. So, yeah, I think the reason for a bombing is just widespread across a number of different things that have slowly people uh, just have built themselves up to consume movies in a way where you're not going to go out and spend that much money on a film if you're unsure on it because of how quickly it's going to come out and the fact that it's probably going to be included in something that you're already paying for, for example, Netflix or Disney Plus, where you don't even have to pay for a, a VHS or a DVD anymore. You just, it's all included. Well, on Amazon, the ac- the the accessibility on Amazon too for VOD I know Universal, they really love the market for, for digital VOD. Like that that has been a game changer for them as well. Like they they really embrace that. Um, so they don't delay at all. And in now on Amazon Prime, you can see what like the top 10 rented, um, you know, VOD releases are uh, of, of the week all the time. And that has been, so it really is a market because you know, a theater, you got to really split the costs for it, for, for the sales of the movie, whereas on video on demand, they get to keep all that money. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, they could be a lot more lucrative. And, and that was something that um, they really figured out during the pandemic. That's one thing Universal really got down. I think that was with Trolls World Tour, where they realized, like, wait a minute, we can Change make cinema. We can make all kinds of money. <laughs> yeah, Trolls World Tour changed the game for them because... I think that everything still comes back to it being a ripple effect of how studios, like I think what Warner Brothers did um, at the time with, with their same day releases has really caused an, an association for a lot of us. Even when you think about when Disney Plus was doing, you know, the, we're going to release Mulan and Black Widow the same day they're out in the theaters and you could just buy it at home instead. And it made us go, oh, okay, then... Yeah, I don't need to. It, there's there is a subconscious association. I think a lot of us have now, uh, you know, transported our minds to for these. But as we're looking ahead for July, we have several movies coming up that you sent me a list of the opening weekend estimates, and one on here is making me so happy because last time we talked. You were talking this movie down, Paul, and it's looking to be doing the best. I am so happy for this. And you know why it's going to do well? Because it looks unique all and the men. special. <laughs> and all the men are finally willing to embrace their feminine side for this. Because if there's a man's man out there... It's Ryan Gosling. So we got a list here of opening weekend projections. What is surprising me is just how well Barbie is looking to be doing. Some of these, one in particular, the main one that they're competing with. And what I love about um, what's happening with certain celebrities. Did you see those photos of Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie? They're like taking photos with ticket stubs to go see Barbie and Oppenheimer and then they got Margot You know what Robbie. I love about that? <laughs> there was that rumor that Tom Cruise was really angry that they were all taking his screens. Yeah, and yeah. He was calling up the cinema saying like, I don't want, get Barbie out of here. I don't want him in. And then, yeah. you know, he's on Twitter. But the guy's saving cinema. 
like single-handedly yeah. tom cruise is out there saving cinema he's buying tickets to everything i love the guy even if even if he has these strange little quirks that we'll not go into but i i think the guy yeah yeah he, he's clearly has a love he buys 4k blu-rays so yeah got a lot in common with him um he, he just loves cinema i mean fair enough he's gonna kill you and your whole family if you don't turn off motion smoothing but other than that you know, he seems like he's really supporting the films that they're competing with, and I feel like he wants them all to do well. And seeing the list, it all looks really good. Greg, I'm gonna pass, I'm gonna take the mic away from myself because I know I hog it so much. And I'm gonna get you to read out the totals. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's go here. Let's go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go from most the highest earning expecting to least. Barbie, eighty million to a hundred million dollars. Mission Impossible 7. This might be the highest opening weekend for if it hits this number. Um, it's $90 million. Next up, Oppenheimer. This is not a great start, but I feel like they're depending on legs for this versus opening weekend. $40 million. After that, we got Disney's Haunted Mansion, which looks fine. $25 million to $35 million. Feel like it's gonna come in less than that. People are certainly gonna wait for Disney Plus on that one. I can feel it. And Insidious, the Red Door. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like this is not gonna perform well, but it doesn't even make a lot of money. It's Insidious, twenty million to twenty-nine million dollars. Which number yeah. here stands? I, I, we gotta talk. We have to talk about Barbie for a second. Let's here, go. Paul. Let's go through them all from bottom to top. So Insidious, okay. the Red Door. Yeah, 20 to 29 million opening weekend prediction. That comes out this Friday. Um, that's, I'm, that's you know what? That's pretty good for that, honestly. That's pretty yeah. good. Just about to say, horrors, they don't tend to spend a lot of money. They're not doing $300 million yeah. budget horror movies. So I'll do, a qu- I'll do a quick Google search for you there, Greg, and uh, we'll see what the budget is. What do you mean it's $700 million? Um <laughs> So Patrick yeah, Wilson's worth a lot of money now. So it was made on a budget of ten million dollars. So if oh, it hits yeah. this this weekend, yeah, absolutely fine. Doubled its budget already. It's gonna. It's made money for the studio. They haven't lost hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars putting this out. Now next in line, we are going with Haunted, Haunted Mansion. Mansion. That looks. That is not going to perform well. I, I don't think yeah. it'll do well. Disney Plus, uh, people are going to wait. Now, you know what? I was I forgot to bring up in Indiana Jones, but I can slightly slot it in here. Disney Plus isn't doing well either. Um, apparently, for, this might be wrong, but from what I read on a report, they're losing subscribers and their market value is down actually $13 billion. So not only are they costing all their big movies, they're also costing the company because it's just... Yeah, kind of yeah. everyone's waiting for Disney Plus, basically, which oh, is dude. fair enough. You're paying for it. They're, they've thought this strategy is a good idea to do. Um, so, yeah, sure. I, I'd be, I, I think it might even do under that, you know, might not be much, oh, but I think it might do under. Now, I'm just learning have a, this right now. I'm learning this right now. Haunted Mansion is the most expensive Disney live action film ever made, apparently. <sighs> Or one I've of the just most. Seen, not, yeah. not the most. One one of the most. Uh, no, there's like the Pirates movies are definitely more money. But for I think for a first starter, because there was the 2003 version. But you did know, you have start. you Googled the budget? Have you it seen what the budget is? 157.8 million. That is insane. 
157.8 million US dollars very, for this very haunted mansion number. film. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would be you know what? I don't think Disney have actually had a film for a while that's made money. Um, Lightyear no. bombed. Little Elemental. Mermaid's doing all right now. Little Mermaid's doing all right, and and Elemental's okay. picking up. Uh, Elemental's picking up overseas. But it's not going to make back the money, though. I no, think that was about no, a tune. No, I was just being nice. It's going to definitely yeah. fail. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure I read. I'm sure I read Mario cost a hundred million to make, and Elemental cost two hundred million. Two hundred million, yeah. Um. So, oh, what are they doing? Spending all this money? There must be a big, in quote, catering budget for this film. You know what I mean? We're, we're, yeah. we're spending a lot on catering for this film, and it just so the money just so happens to be going in some execs' back pocket. Um. Yeah, that's going to be another massive bomb. Unfortunately for Disney. Sorry, guys. Uh. Well, yeah, twenty-five to thirty-five million opening weekend on a hundred and fifty-seven million dollar budget. That is like coming lower than that. I mean, that's that's not that's not a good look, man. And, and people will freaking wait for that on Disney Plus for sure. Um, but yeah. Oppenheimer, uh, I'm surprised by the production budget on it. I thought it'd be way more money uh, to cost. How much is it? It's o- it's only estimated to be a hundred million dollars for the production budget. Nolan, he is a G. Nolan, I tell you, he does it every time. I'm sure even with The Dark Knight, the guy came in about 50 million under budget and he just gave it back to the studio. I was like, we're balling. And on Interstellar, yeah, you know that cornfield that they drive through? Mm-hmm. He actually, that's real corn. And what they did is he bought a field, had all the corn planted for that scene. They filmed it and then he sold the field and made a profit on it. My boy, <laughs> Nolan, he knows how to make the dollars. So yeah. Oppenheimer, forty million, you know, half its budget opening weekend roughly. I actually think it'll do slightly better, not by much, but I think you know I could see it maybe doing, maybe, maybe towards the fifty. Don't well, know though. Uh, I mean, like from my personal experience, man, the production budget for Dead Reckoning is so high. I'll tell you in a second, but my 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 personal, um, <laughs> I just saw the production budget for Dead. Like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. Um, the for for Oppenheimer, um, I I had to get tickets because there's very few screens out here in L.A. or just actually in the United States that that are considered real IMAX, uh, meaning the the, mm. the actual size of it and the the quality that it screens on. And um, there's like a few theaters nearby, but the one that Christopher Nolan screens at is in. Universal City Walk is adjacent to Universal Studios. So I no, I like I love to see movies at that IMAX. I, I love to see them there. I was not able to get a ticket until like three weeks after the movie releases. It was just sold out for weeks. So the the plan to, you know, basically consume IMAX, because a lot of the time IMAX that a movie will even if a movie shot with IMAX cameras, they pretty much leave after a week in a summer movie season. They're they're gone after like a week or two. And Oppenheimer's just got it booked for so many weeks. And it looks to be paying off. So I really do think the word of mouth and perhaps repeat viewing for cinephiles. Because a lot of times when we're talking about, you know, uh, a movie's profit and stuff, we're always considering you know, what the general audience is going to be because it's so important for, for considering how much money a film's going to make. 
but Nolan has kind of a unique case where he could really ride cinephiles basically yeah. to, you know, actual profit. And I think Oppenheimer will be, I, I have faith that it'll do well. And on top of that too, I think Universal, they really just want to keep Christopher Nolan. Like them being able to snag him up after him leaving Warner Brothers is a big get for them. So I think regardless, they just want this movie to have like a great reception and, and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah. But Dan, yeah, dude, I got another thing. No, oh, please. Another thing you've said there, the IMAX screens, if they're that booked out, then that's a lot of money because IMAX tickets obviously cost very almost double. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, you might, it might not show as many times, you know, as many people might not go see it, but it's the same with 3D. Do you remember when, uh, you mm -hmm. know, James Cameron knocked it out of the park with Avatar because it was in 3D and those tickets were so much more expensive. And then mm. every every film was like, we're, we're doing 3D as well. Did you guys film it in 3D? No, we're just doing it post-conversion. and pay, yeah, yeah. You're paying the same price. And that's, that is a reason why a lot of... Um, when you go back and look at older movies, where, when you're like, it's insane they made that much money, but it's because they also sold 3D tickets. Um, DC, for some reason, haven't really done it, but Marvel have always leaned into it. Like, I remember go, you know, Avengers Endgame made a billion opening weekend, and I think a lot of people went to see that in 3D, which bumped up the price. 3D mm. IMAX on top of it, crazy. Um, so Nolan, if he's got those IMAX premium seats all booked out, then... Yeah, I, th I think that could do well. I think, you know, Oppenheimer, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it does well. But, I, you know, I feel like deep down, Greg, we're going to be in three weeks time. We're going to be back talking about bombs again. Yeah. And we're, the first point we're going to bring up is why did they release Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same day? Um, but according to your your report, you know, it's it's doing well which angers me because it means i have to admit i'm wrong, You're wrong and i'm so happy about it <laughs> yeah, i really so, i really hope it does this well um this yeah. fun, <laughs> i'd be so happy if it does well and uh, i hope in five uh, years time Barbie has the same production budget as oppenheimer <laughs> that is so oh really insane. that is insane to me <laughs> yeah but I mean, that's, it's a good low budget. You know what I mean? A hundred yeah. million dollar movie. Like I was thinking today. So if Indiana Jones did cost three hundred million dollar, like which it, it pretty much did, why why is that a better idea than someone just going to Lucasfilm and going, look, I've got these three good scripts, the new properties, the new IPs, instead of just completely running everything we have into the ground. Why not just greenlight these three movies? We put them into production. One of them might turn out to be a John Wick, where it makes money and we could build a massive franchise mm -hmm. off it. Why not do these three $100 million scripts instead of one Indiana Jones film? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was just thinking about that today. It just doesn't make sense why they <laughs> spent that much money. Um, but yeah, back to back to Barbie. So 80 to $100 million. Um, so That's yeah, great. If I, if, if if that turns out to be true, you know, I hope five years from now I, I come out with an opinion and the first comment is, yeah, but you said Barbie would bomb, you idiot. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'll be happy to be proven wrong, I hope. Because it, it seems like a nice, fun, positive movie, you know what I mean? If it does if it does well, then, yeah, good good on you guys. And you're competing with Christopher Nolan as well, and my, he's my one of my heroes, so if you, if you beat the guy, then uh, all props to Bob's. 
And yeah. I might even stop buying Barbie Funko Pops and, like, and pretend I was a fan the entire time. <laughs> I, act I actually got a, a Ryan Gosling Ken doll. <laughs> no <laughs> like way. An actual one. And it's on my wall right Amazing. now. But I don't want to stand. Um, then we got Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yeah. This, is, this is crazy because, you know, you brought up the whole thing about... Um, Tom Cruise maybe being like pissed off and trying to like you IMAX reconsider letting us stay here uh, longer. That's not fair. Uh, but their their production budget is significantly higher than Oppenheimer. It is two hundred ninety million dollars. That so because wow. like I saw Mission Impossible Seven, I was like, oh, that's a great number, uh, ninety million. But damn, like if you do the comparison here. It's like Oppenheimer's more likely to recoup that money back because Dead Reckoning Part One. Yeah. They also they're throwing down for marketing on this film. Um, so I've just looked online there and Dead. So Dead Reckoning's two hundred ninety million US dollars. Uh, the last one, Mission Impossible Fallout, cost one hundred and seventy eight million. So this Jeez. is a one hundred and twelve million more budget than uh, the last movie. Now to be fair. That did film during COVID because yes. we all heard Tom Cruise on on set his recording talking about amazing. stuff. Um, so uh, to be fair to Indiana Jones as well, that had that going for it too, where they had to keep stopping and starting production just because of the whole pandemic situation. Um, but one hundred and twelve million dollar more. Are, are you allowed to say anything, or am I going to get you in trouble? Uh, no, I I can I can say it, it looks expensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. so can you say you've seen it or I, yeah, you I've haven't seen it. seen it have you yeah, yeah I've, seen it. I've done my social okay, media so reaction yeah. so i can say i've seen it okay I, so i like it <laughs> um yeah did did you think it it looks the money i i need to watch it on imax to really know for sure um okay. but yeah i would say so and i think there's a little more visual of, I mean, that practical shit costs a lot of money, obviously. Like if you watch the behind the scenes of just him doing the motorcycle stunt, have you, have you seen it, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. The, the big where, silver where, ramp. Yeah. Where you have to, they have to spend millions of dollars just to, just to train him to do the stunt and then to build a whole ramp and get the location just to do that one, like what lasts a few seconds in the movie. It's so short lived in the movie. Um, yeah, it's, it's remarkably short. But that alone, but Greg, cinema lives forever. The cinema lives forever. But that stunt, the scene is so short. It's yeah. <laughs> that it's it's not like the Dubai scene or him on the plane where it's like a full scene. You're like, oh, he's off, he's off the cliff now. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the end of it, <laughs> right there. It's done. Um, but yeah, this just that alone, and they like they wanted to blow up a real train, but then that whole train sequence, you could tell there's a lot of like visual effects helping back it, it it is expensive like yeah it looks expensive and also the cast is bigger this time around too you know you got like a lot of people here who all obviously probably want pay you know a little increase in pay as well so and 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 it's tom cruise you know so who usually takes, he usually takes a smaller upfront fee for a salary so that way he can make more money on the back end because he's he's a producer of all those movies so he usually that's how he made like a shit ton of money off of Top Gun Maverick is because he he usually takes the back end points of a film. 
Um, yeah. Well, that'll be why, won't it? I mean, he's a, yeah. he's a producer of these films too. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I hope he does well, our Tom. He's it's putting his life on the line every film. Yeah. Um, but that yeah. budget's crazy. And there is one scene. There is one scene, and it was so funny because someone said it out loud in the screening I went to. There's one scene in this film where, and I think it, they might have done it because a lot of this movie has this strange thing about Ethan Hunt and, and women. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I, I feel like it's too much to say, but it's like women love Ethan Hunt. And there's this one particular scene where I was watching it and I was like, wow, did they de-age Tom Cruise? And, and it's not like a flashback. You're just watching this scene where he just looks so de-aged. And then someone a few seats down from me just says out loud, did they de-age him? <laughs> he just says it right out loud in the screening. And I think they de-aged him for this one particular scene, which is pretty That's funny. That's all for, the budget went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's funny for a film about AI, um, how AI is the enemy. But I'm, I'm pretty confident they de-aged him in, in this like one random scene in the film uh, because of what they're talking about here. The camera's like super close up on his face. You might notice can it. You I don't know. Can you say it's about AI? I feel yeah. like I didn't know that. You didn't know well, that? I to... No, I had no idea. So nah. can you say it's DH? I'm just going to go through everything you just said. Are you allowed to say it's DH? Are you allowed to say you've seen it? <laughs> it's, it I'm looks just looking like online. DH'd. It looks like he's yeah, DH'd. I'm, I'm looking online and just reading things about Hayley Atwell. Apparently, at She's school, phenomenal. she got called Hayley Fatwell. Oh, so awful. I bet she's laughing now. Yeah. All those suckers sat at home watching her on the big screen. She's 295 mil. Phenomenal in the movie. She is easily the the standout performer. Like, uh, oh, and then brilliant. Went online. Yeah, she's she is she's brilliant. She is brilliant in the movie. Uh, it is. It well, is you know what? I hope they do. I hope they make a Captain Carter movie. That's what I'm talking about. Captain, I'll wear Captain Carter merch and shit. People yeah. know that I'd do that in my real life. I'm a loser. Sure, um, like but yeah, that, that's, that sounds really good. Um, so what is the next topic? Oh, yeah, dude. Okay. Change of tone. We always save the change uh, of tone one for <laughs> the last one. Because I think, like, you know, there's things to talk about, but you and I are both on the same page about this, which is we kind of have to wait. You know, and, and people form such strong opinions about this right away, uh, which obvious under such a sensitive subject. So it's understandable that people would form strong opinions about it. Uh, but, yeah, there's the Jonathan Majors updates. You know, the, the last time we talked, uh, it was about how he had uh, his de, his defense lawyer They talked to the insider. And then apparently they revealed a lot of what they have in their defense as evidence. And it, there seemed to be a lot to support that the thing he got arrested for, he was, looks like there's a lot to support that he actually could be innocent in this. And then since that time, a couple of other things have happened. Uh, there's this Rolling Stones article that came out that was not specifically about the case, but about a lot of allegations with his past with former girlfriends and experiences that people had working with him on set about his behaviors and some stuff about emotional in one case being a case of physical abuse and all allegations. Everything's an allegation. Uh, it's important, innocent until proven guilty. That's really important to state. And 
then there was this thing about uh, let me. I want to make sure I just say this properly because it was like, oh, Jonathan Major's ex girlfriend, the one Grace Jabari, the one who um, with the trials in relation to. They're like, she's been arrested. She has actually not been arrested. Uh, they found the NYPD has found probable cause to arrest her on suspicion of uh, third degree assault. However, she has not been arrested. So a lot of things are ongoing and then the trial still hasn't been set yet. And it's really important that while this is playing out, like this is going to be a really big popular thing here. And, and I think a lot of times everyone becomes very reactionary towards yeah. information that comes out, which is like, told you he was innocent. No, told you he was guilty. And it's like, let's just wait. <laughs> like, let's just wait. The, the part that sounds, because like everything here. It's it could be so muddy to talk about, right? Like when I when you hear about like I read I read the Rolling Stones article when it first came out, and it's and specifically in relation to the stuff about him being like emotionally abusive in the past. I'm like, okay, but not to say that any of thing anything along those lines is okay. It's 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 a, a the question is though like how long ago was it, and has he grown as an individual to the point like did he? There are cases where a lot of us have had terrible relationships and have been emotionally abusive in the past. I'm talking just about the emotional abusive part. I'm not talking about the physical altercation one, but the emotional abusive side of have people had the chance to, to change as a human being, as an individual. And are they still that person today? You know, and that a lot of that seems like such a private matter as well, you know, and it's like, it could be so, it's such a gray subject. Like how, what is the degree of how bad it is? And instead of you could just easily label something as as an emotionally and I'm sure I'm sure emotional abuse could be a real thing that took place. But what was the degree of it of forgivability to non forgivability here? And yeah, you know, like it, it's the the sad part is, is like depending on how severe those situations are and if he did not pay any retributions for those past things, all that's really going to matter in this case Though it, what it seems like currently, like I said, we just have so much information that we need to unfold. What it seems like currently happening with this case is all about the situation with the arrest with his ex-girlfriend, Grace Jabari. And if he's proven innocent there, what sucks is, is like if any of these past things he de deserves some type of punishment for, if he does deserve punishment for it they're probably not going to receive those those victims would receive retribution for it because all people are going to think about is the one case and it's that kind of terrible situation where he could be proven innocent in this very specific one so it could disregard anything that really did happen prior if anything really did happen prior but we don't know we just don't, we just don't know so much we don't know and it's like there's a billion different speculation directions you could go down but at this point it's all just a lot of it really is like little bits that we have yet it's like commenting on the Johnny Depp trial was different because we were literally watching the trial. There were hours and hours and hours of the trial. And here we're just getting little reports here or there, you know? So I think it's, yeah. and I don't think this is going to be one that is televised the way how like Johnny Depp's trial was televised. So yeah. it's important that we, we just wait, you know, because there's a billion different directions this can go down of uh, of whether or not 
he deserves to be condemned or not condemned. And then to go through his past as well of, because, you know, people talk about like him on set. He was, he was apparently like really bad on set. And then other people are going, well, no, he's just method acting. And it's like, okay, but what's the line there? Like every, everything yeah. is a conversation at this point and not a condemnation yet, you know, <laughs> like you just got to, yeah. so wait, we got to wait. I think my issue with everything is that I personally believe that the apologies should be as loud as the accusations and it's never the case on social media. So I think, you know, we have seen times in the past before where someone's been accused of doing something, everyone's jumped on them. There's been a massive pile on cancelled, you know, lost their jobs and so on and so forth. Now, if they get, if it hits a point where they get vindicated, the apologies on anywhere near that loud. No one's coming out apologizing on mass. You know what I mean? There's there's very few things. So I think in in cases like that, it's important to just wait until all the facts are right because reports can be twisted um, either way, and you know you might you might jump on the wrong person for some reason, or you know you you might not you know they might be proven to be guilty and so on there's lots of ways that these things can go and i think it's important to just have restraint and wait for the whole situation to come out now we've seen this week has been the perfect example of why it's totally fine to just not jump on every single piece of media because it hit a point where jonathan majors it, it, everyone was saying oh well look he's innocent he's innocent and then literally the next day the the same people were doing a 180 because of that Rolling Stones article instead of thinking, look, I've seen two different things here that have made me change my mind. Maybe I should just hold off and wait until everything's out. And instead of doing that, they're just reacting to whatever piece comes out. Even if they're complete polar opposites to each other, they're just saying, no, I believe this now. No, I believe that now. And it's a very strange situation. Um, with the case of the Rolling Stones thing, what it looked like to me was it was almost done as a sort of backfire for him getting to the point where he had evidence proving that he was innocent. Um, and it the, just the dropped at a really weird so time. The timing is so questionable. Yeah. It's like they waited. It, it was literally it. Like, like, oh, it's hot right now. Drop it, you know? Yeah, it, it was literally like, uh, I've here's my evidence showing that you know, the the claims may be fabricated. Everyone's like, oh, all right, okay. And then it's like, oh, well, but what about this from 10 years ago that we dug up the, the three people that used to know and work with? They've said this and, and so on and so forth. Um, so it kind of felt like they just kind of pulled that out of mm -hmm. out of thin air. Um, I'm a bit conscious that my camera keeps going out of focus. So sorry, guys, if you... I don't think you're watching this still, are you? Um, but yeah, Jonathan Majors kind of it felt like he hit a point where he, he almost had vindication and then the media kind of needed to spin it to the point where it was like, well, no, we haven't. We've, we've still got a story to run on you. And I, I'm just kind of hitting hitting a point now with things where I, I'm happy to wait and see what the outcome is rather than just saying that, oh, this is definitely the case this week and then the next week saying the exact opposite. You know, these are people... It's not like Barbie where I say, I don't think Bobby's going to do well, and it does well. You know, these are people's lives and careers that people are basically turning into entertainment so they can jump on them on social media. And no matter what happens in this situation, there's not really a winner. 
because let's say Jonathan Majors is innocent. The the crap he's had to go through the last couple of months is mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. I mean, the guy was on top of the world. He had Creed and Ant-Man, two number one films back to back, and then this brought it all down. Now that's, even if he gets seen as innocent, like that is a horrendous thing to go through. Now, if he's guilty, then obviously the victim, they've got everything about their life um, exposed. It's now out there in public domain. Unfortunately, the way people's minds work is that, you know, Monica Lewinsky, if ever anyone talks about her, the, the, their mind goes to the whole thing with Bill Clinton first because that's what she's famous for. This, unfortunately, is what this, this woman's going to be famous for and it's going to constantly get brought up for the rest of her life and there's not real any real winners in this situation where uh, someone's going to lose and it's going to be devastating to them um and I, I just think people should show a bit more kind of restraint when dealing with this stuff and not wait you know wait until they know the full story because no one does you know nothing's been fully presented in court or publicly yet there's been certain things that have been given to TMZ um, but beyond that, there's nothing that I feel like we will help by saying, oh, well, yes, they're definitely guilty or yes, they're definitely innocent. And, it, you know, people, there are. it's fair enough that people are going to report on this because it's in the public domain. But I personally would say just be careful what you say because, y- you know, if, if you don't know all the facts, it's totally fine to just keep your mouth closed. There, there's certain things that you can you can say all the time, like, Bobby's gonna bomb and, st- and stuff like that, but when it when it's this level of serious, I think it's totally fine to not give your opinion on it and just say what you want. Um, like even when we talked about it last week, we we went solely at it from the perspective of what should Marvel do with their main actor that they built this entire next phase around. It wasn't a case of like, well, I've weighed up the evidence that I read on someone's TikTok and read it and stuff like that. We, we've always kind of tried to come from it sort of like a business point of view rather than condemning or saying, oh, well, I don't think this story adds up. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, and and that, and that is the case as well. Like th- there's so much conflicting evidence at this point that it's totally fine to let the lawyers and the judge do their job yeah. and decide in this scenario. And just the, the ugliness will follow him around forever. Um, yeah. Even if he is, even in this specific case with Grace Jabari, if he's found innocent, there's so much else that has now come out that are allegations against him that just completely follow him like a like a dark looming shadow now. And it's so much harder to separate that when you're in when you're an actor, I think, versus if you're like a filmmaker. I think it's how like Mel Gibson managed to still yeah. work because he's mainly a filmmaker, right? Um and then more than more than like he does a lot of these like low budget movies now, but like the thing that really allowed him to keep bouncing back was like, yeah, I got Apocalypto and Hacksaw Ridge, like these like highly regarded films that he directed. Um, but when you're an actor, like that really that really follows you around way worse. There's a time, I mean, before social media and all that, like you know, like, like you think about like what Sean Penn has done in the past, like some terrible, like he's one actor that comes to mind. There's some actors who've done some like terrible things, but it was before the yeah. day and age of social media. Well, even, it was a lot easier to just forget about it. <laughs> and now it's so much yeah. harder to forget about it. Cause even for like Johnny Depp, like even though Dean Vincent got a big fan base, it's you, there used to be a time where like Johnny Depp, you just saw the character that he would play. 
now it's you're so aware of Johnny Depp now and his personal life and all these things whenever he pops up anywhere now. Um, so yeah, it just kind of follows Josh you around. Brolin. Josh yeah, Brolin, the last yeah, MCU yeah. villain. Mm-hmm. Both um, MCU phase villains have have been um, have had their own controversy around like in the same Definitely. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see how. And I'm, I'm, I know there's there's things like race involved as well. Um, we we shouldn't overlook stuff like that. And there's lots of different factors going into this case. And sometimes, you know, like I'll I'll talk about it privately with people, and they'll say, um, "Well, look what happened in this case. That all got proven to be wrong. So see, you can't believe what this person says." Um, and every case is different as well. Mm-hmm. It's not like this wow. happened on this case so it must be true on this case yeah. sort of thing you know every single case is different there's lots of different factors going on and if everyone can just chill and i know it's the internet i know it's detached from your real life so there's not you know as many consequences for jumping on this stuff but just think about you know the people involved in it and yeah, yeah how bad it looks you know you know you're not gonna think about it on no you're not I, I didn't think you were. No. Uh, so yeah, that's the that's the episode, is it? Just seen uh, from Daniel RPK, Agatha House of Harkness. Evan Peters is reprising his role as Ralph Boner. So <laughs> the thing that he's back to we missed the, we missed the big topic yeah. <laughs> to really yeah. break down today. Mm. The, the, the disappointment of Ralph Boner. <laughs> well, he's uh, got to be Quicksilver if he's back, surely. He can't Ralph Boner us again. I mean, he could just be Ralph Boner. Yep, true. true. Yeah, yeah, shit. No, well. Do you not think people would be annoyed? Do you not think the MCU needs to win people back around? It's like me when I make an offensive joke to my wife. I, instead of apologizing, I go, let me just keep doubling down on this joke in hopes that she eventually comes around and starts laughing. And okay. she, she never does. And that's what nope. I think they're going to do with Ralph Boner. <laughs> they're going to try to just make it work. Um, or like yeah. they made Trevor Slattery work. He's apparently coming back a third time. <laughs> so okay. they managed to make that work. I'm down. Yeah. You know what's annoying? That Quicksilver had the best speedster scene of all time and nothing's topped it ever since. Nope. That was the first one as well. I don't know, man. Saving uh, babies in a microwave might be might be the one. Uh, might be the one. Yeah. Apparently that film's like eighth place at the box office now and across the Spider-Verse is taking over it again. They're taking they're, so, mo- yeah, what a they're shame. removing it from theaters. So yeah. <laughs> I, I know we're laughing, I but I am so legit. Funny to me. It's so funny. Yeah. I am legitimately worried about the state of Hollywood right now. Oh, it's awful. And just how badly things are going. Even without the strikes, these box offices, they don't look good for the future. And then you've got the strikes on top. Disney have pretty much tanked every single franchise they've got. You know, Marvel's sort of teetering on, but even the Secret Invasion viewership, it it couldn't even break a million for the first episode, which is absolutely crazy. If you think, like, a Secret Invasion adaptation... For how big that comic was, starring Samuel L. Jackson, uh, yeah, it's it's a shame, and everything's kind of just going down the pan. But you know, it might lead to some good things in the future. We we got to. St- I know this podcast's been negative every single week. 
except for maybe the first week when we talked about Across the Spider-Verse. But, you, you know, this might lead to some good stuff where Hollywood decide, they think, you know what, we're losing money either way. Let's get creative with it and try and build new franchises and things that people are going to enjoy 50 years from now instead of ruining things from 50 years ago. So, hopeful message to end on there. Yeah. Guys, Greg, would you like to have the final say? I can't wait for the Barbie Mattel Cinematic Universe, Paul. And it's okay. 20 years from now, I'm excited for it. And while you're still at the yeah. pub with your friends bitching about how your wife wants Both. to go take your two sons to go watch Barbie. Yeah. Um, it's That's gonna be all it's going to be. <laughs> I'm ready to go, well, Paul. You know what? Yeah, um, I'm sure Hollywood's thinking, right, we've tanked everything right now, but... We haven't tanked anime yet. Let's get on it. Let's get on so, it. Thanks, uh, thanks for sticking with us, guys. It's crazy seeing the viewership on this podcast sometimes. 41,000 on the last podcast. Uh, crazy that there's that many listeners for us talking nonsense. So this this week will probably be a drop-off, but we'll, we want to thank you for sticking with us again. Um, hopefully next week we're back with a bit more positivity. There's no only Insidious coming out this week. So we haven't got anything to bitch about next week, but you know, it's a, a week's a long time in Hollywood and uh, yeah, we'll get back to you next week. So make sure if you haven't that you subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Amazon podcasts and YouTube, whatever you like to listen to us on. We're going to be there for you every single Tuesday, same time, same bat channel. I'm out. Greg, are you out as well? I'm out. I'm out too. I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs>